Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership between Christianity Today and Kairos Partnership. Hello, everyone. My name is Douglas Moister. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts for the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, and just wanted to pause and say thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we have a, an amazing conversation with uh, who I think I've heard of explained as the Dallas Willard of S- Southern Africa. Um, a gentleman by the name of Trevor Hudson, you're going to hear all about him here in his bio, uh, but a lovely man who has been committed to the work of the local church. He's been a pastor for 40 years. Um, he's been a spiritual director and has done so much beautiful work in spiritual formation. Um, but my, I'm convinced that this will be one of those podcasts that you play on repeat. And I just want to ask you even before this starts, or uh, but, I mean, yeah, before it starts, but I would love for you to just take a minute and share this with the pastor that you think is going to need some encouragement today, because this is an encouraging episode. Uh, again, as always, if if you appreciate the Monday Morning Pastor podcast and you've been this is part of your weekly rhythm, we would love it if you would leave us a review um, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, and then lastly, we just want to remind you, we've got a couple more weeks here, and then we will be taking off the month of August and kicking back in in the month of September. So we're excited for the last few episodes of this season seven, and we're already looking forward to season eight that's going to be coming up very shortly. Our guest today is Trevor Hudson. Trevor Hudson has been a part of the Methodist movement in Southern Africa for more than 35 years. He has served primarily around Johannesburg, uh, but he is also deeply committed to the work of the local congregation, and a significant part of his weekly rhythm is the giving of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Besides his local commitments, Trevor travels widely preaching, teaching, and lecturing in the area of spiritual formation, spiritual direction, and pastoral therapy. He is, uh, you can find him at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena in the Doctor of Ministry Spiritual Direction Program. He also works closely with the Renovare Inst- International Institute for Christian Spirit Formation, the Dallas Willard Center for Christian Spirit Formation, and the Jesuit Institute in South Africa. He is the author of 22 books, including Discovering Your Spiritual Identity and Beyond Loneliness. We know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Trevor Hudson. Well, thank you, Trevor, for being with us. We're so grateful for you and your willingness to join us on the Monday Morning Pastor. JR, thank you. It's it's a real privilege to be with you and to whoever uh, is listening in. Thank you so much. Yes, certainly. Well, Trevor, we we know that you've been involved in the spiritual formation movement for quite some time. I'm very grateful for you. I've benefited a great deal. And of course, our mutual friend, Tom Smith, who's been uh, a guest here on the Monday Morning Pastor podcast. I, I think that most pastors listening in have heard the term, maybe they've read a book on it or a course on it, but I also know that there are some large misconceptions when it comes to this idea of spiritual formation. Maybe before we define what spiritual formation is, can you actually help us understand maybe some misconceptions about what spiritual formation is today? Because it's kind of a fad and it's becoming more and more popular. We want to make sure that we understand it fully. So what are those, some of those misconceptions? Well, I think, you know, JR, I think one of the biggest ones is in the word spiritual itself. Mm. Um, 
you know, that so often we've got this kind of split spirituality. And uh, on, you know, one side, we have these things like prayer and Bible and meditation and worship. And then we have the rest of our life in, on the, in the other compartment, and they never seem to kind of come together. So I think one of the biggest um, misconceptions around spiritual formation is that it's just concerned with that kind of spiritual compartment. Mm. And then we kind of from there begin to develop some kind of split spirituality with horrific mm. consequences. If that is split, Trevor, if we think, oh, my spiritual formation over here and my everything else formation <laughs> over here, what happens to the life of not just a pastor, but the life of a person? Right. I think, you know, I think what does happen is that I think we do begin to live a kind of split kind of life uh, where, you know, where, as it were, God gets located in certain spheres of our life and we kind of miss out on meeting God or letting God encounter us in the rest of our lives. Um, and I think we, I think perhaps most tragically of all, we, we, we miss out on seeing the importance of becoming more human. And, and I think for me, at the heart of in, uh, inverted commas, at the heart of spiritual formation, for me, there is this invitation to be, to, to be a human being who is alive and well and responsive to, to life. That, I feel like as I'm hearing you talk about that, it, it almost reminds me of um, something that a friend of mine talks about in terms of wholeheartedness. It's, it's this idea, this concept of all of my life is coming under the alignment into the rule and reign of Christ. And it's not, there's not these separate spaces that I think are very easy for us to compartmentalize. And so I, I think I'm just wondering, even for the person who's, who's listening to this concept and thinking about, you know, do I do that? And, and am, I, am I living in these separate places? How would one begin to recognize that, that this formation is encompassing all of my life, not just the prayer and Bible reading? Right. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Doug. I think the I think the first one of the first steps is the recognition of the split itself. Um, you know what areas of my life are split off from my life with Christ, from my life with God. So I think I think the recognition of the split and the awareness of that split, um, I think, I think is the starting point. And I think for me, I would go from there. That if, you know, this journey of formation is in terms of a wholehearted, to use your word, a kind of wholehearted discipleship or a wholehearted following of Christ, I would want to now begin to tease out what wholehearted following of Christ may look like. What may it look like to perhaps to use a cliche? become a little bit more Christ-like. Mm. And I would like to reimagine that in a way that it locates it 
within the dailiness of my <laughs> of my everyday life. I I mean, I I I really believe that what what you're getting at is is I think in some ways people can tend to feel like that sounds like this really deep spiritual idealistic kind of you know ethereal living but what I'm hearing you say is this is deeply deeply practical and uh it, that Christ is interested in the minutiae in the smallest areas of my life and being lord of even that area too and and i just i i don't know for me that that sounds really encouraging because it is not just this thing of the person that sits and prays for you know 14 hours a day and reads through all this stuff but but that it's actually more grounded in the way that i mow my yard uh and the time that i spend making sandwiches for my family and pieces like that is that is that accurate you know i think again and this i'm only i'm thinking aloud with you and i'm thinking on my feet um, I think under underlying our conversation, there is a very deep theological question, and I don't want to get too heavy theologically now, but it's about God's relationship to life. And I think once once we have some sense that we can encounter God in all things, um, that in that we live and move and have our being in God, as Paul would say at, in Athens, or that uh, to, or that you know, heaven and earth are full of His glory. <laughs> that you know the, that that we meet God in the menial and the mundane. Mm. And I think then I begin to approach the menial and the mundane. I begin to approach it in a different kind of way. Um, and for me. If we go back right to what JR was asking about at the beginning about spiritual formation, it has it has got something to do for me about within the context of my daily life becoming uh, a responsive, uh, compassionate mm. uh, human being, mm. uh, and living my humanity uh, in a in hopefully a contagious way mm. that speaks of God's presence mm. in my life. Mm. Boy, I love the way you have worded that. And Trevor, what I appreciate is the emphasis on humanness, because there are many pastors that Doug and I and many others that we interact with, they just feel like, well, I, 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 I'm a pastor, I can't really be human. And they, they feel that either forced on them or they've chosen that bifurcated life. And the word that's sure. becoming more and more important to me is the word congruence. And as you were speaking, I'm thinking about uh, Psalm 86:11 that says, "Teach me your way, Lord, that uh, I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your." Yeah, uh, that's it. And uh, and then even the mundane, ordinary elements. As you were responding to Doug's question, sure. I think of in the message Eugene Peterson in Romans 12, where he said, "So here's what I want you to do: God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life." Uh, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And I love this line. He says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And I haven't always thought of it through the lens of spiritual formation, but I think that's exactly what Eugene and what you are trying to get at here. Is that a fair statement? Yes, thank you very much. And uh, I must say your uh, reference to Psalm 86 
um, kind of just, it, it was like ping. I think it was about three days ago that, <laughs> you know, I underlined that mm. verse again and again and again. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's just quite something for me just to hear that from you. But I do, mm. and I also like your reference to, uh, to, um, to the message and the way that uh, Eugene Peterson does Romans 12. I think, you know, that I think the best way we can resource ourselves on a, on a Monday morning for the work of, of being a pastor is to attend to our humanity um, and, to, and, to really, and to really do that in a, such a way that I, I am a better human being to, to be with and to live with. Uh, and, and, and what are the things, I can ask myself, what are the things that will, will just help me on a Monday morning and through the week to, 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 be, a, to be a better human being, to be resourced in my humanity? Mm. Um, so when I, you know, when I just begin to think of, you know, spiritual practices, I love to begin with those that just have a human ring about them, mm. um, in a, you know, just a human ring about them. And what would be some of those practices? Well, before we get there, Trevor, let me back up just a second. I'm just thinking on my feet here for a moment. Um, because I I think about when Dallas Willard says, you know, if we miss the heart of spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices, then we will denigrate it to a level of just rote technique. So how do we stay engaged on the heart level to realize that the practices are important, but they're not the point, right? If not, they're tempting us to some sort of modern day Phariseeism, you know? So how do we make sure we don't denigrate that? And then sort of part B would be, what are some of those practices that bring us back right. to being sure. humans? Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you, JR. I think for me, the, the, the danger of spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, um, is to split them off from the friendship with God. You know, it's for us, it's for them to be, to almost become ends in themselves, as it were, for us to lose the relational dimension of a practice and for them to become merely instrumental. Um, and I think that's where, that's where I think spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines begin to go off key when they, when they are not seen as practices ultimately of friendship or practices of relationship uh, with God and with others and with myself. And when I'm able to keep uh, spiritual practices and disciplines within the context of friendship with God or relationship with God, friendship with others, relationship with others and with myself, I think they go off key. Um, and I, I, I do. I think when they become spiritual technology, uh, I think we're in danger. Uh, and uh, so I'm always wanting to 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 locate 
them uh, within the context of my of my life and my friendship with God and with others. I mean, uh, uh, a few things. First of all, my mind is kind of exploding about the danger of spiritual technology. I'll put that on the shelf uh, for a moment. But, um, you know, I, I love how you you talk about this concept of of these practices and disciplines being really framed around friendship with God. And I'm just thinking about the pastor that, that might be like, I, I don't feel like God's my friend. I feel like he's my boss. Um, you know, what does it look like to begin to engage in a friendship with God for someone who may have spent the last five, 10 years or so thinking about God as the CEO that's leading things opposed to the friend who's walking alongside? I think we all use metaphors to describe our relationship with God. And those, and those metaphors are very, very powerful. And very often, You've used a metaphor like CEO uh, or boss, and which can be very unhelpful and which takes me again down very, very, uh, I don't know, how do I say this, down pathways that are not life-giving. So I think for me to do some, just some <laughs> basic theological metaphorical work of how am I going to frame my relationship with God? And I think that the framing of our relationship with God has consequences that pervade the way we do ministry, the way we relate to others, and the way we live our own lives. Um, I you know, my own hobby horse is, you know, the way that we image God, um, the way we see God, that, or our picture of God, as it were. And I know that all pictures of God are provisional. But our picture of God or our image of God so often is in desperate need of healing. And so often it's the healing of our image of, of, of God and the, him, and the healing of our metaphors that we use to describe our relationship with God. I think that when that, when that happens, that's fundamental. And then that begins to pervade you know, the rest of our life and the way we relate, the way we live life uh, and the way we see ministry. Boy, that's, that is so important what you're talking about, Trevor, of restoring those metaphors or the, the way in which we talk about our relationship with God. We, we talked about sort of boss and CEO and we've talked about friendship. Are there other metaphors for you personally that have helped with your own healing or have helped you understand the heart of God and that friendship invitation he extends to us? Oh, thank you. Uh, that's a personal question, Joel, which I would like to respond to. Thank mm -hmm. you for asking it. Mm -hmm. um, the very first Christian book I ever read as a 17-year-old was a book by a British Methodist called The Transforming Friendship by Leslie Weatherhead. And so right from the word go, friendship, uh, and Christ as friend began to occupy some uh, some space in my own imagination, and that has never ever uh, left me. So, so 
her friendship with God has been uh, has been very, very important. And then maybe one other, the sense of Jesus drawing me into his own relationship with God as Abba uh, and myself as beloved has been a very slow journey. Um, I almost speak about it as reparenting and kind of that is, that journey is continuing at the moment. So it, but it's a kind of coming to know not my only that not only am I a friend, God's friend, or a friend of Christ, um, but there's a sense in which I'm also the beloved child, and and a child of Abba, and the discovery of you know my own belovedness, and the discovery of a of a second childhood, as it were, in my own life has been very healing and very liberating. Mm, wow. Well, if we could, if you wouldn't mind, if you feel comfortable with this, of going a little bit more personally too, again, it's not about technique, but what are some of those practices? Because we're all wired differently. That's one of the beauties of God and different sure. kids and how yeah, we're wired. Right. So I'm curious for you, what are some of the practices that you found to be so helpful in drawing you into that friendship or that reparenting process that you've talked about? Right. Thank you. Yeah. You know, thanks, Joe. You know, I've had a, a I've had a bit of a deficiency of joy in my life, and uh, my joy meter was not very high. And um, I think I'm very, I was like very serious by nature living in South Africa, being engaged in the struggles for, you know, a new nation, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember once Dallas Willard asking me a question, asking me, uh, Trevor, is your God gloomy? And, uh, and it, was, it, was a, it was a very, you know, and then, you know, his mind-boggling statement that God is the most joyful being in the universe. I thought he, I didn't know what he was smoking when he said that. Uh, but it got me re it got me rethinking it got me rethinking um the place of joy and i i gravitate now very strongly towards those practices that will open me up to joy and to find joy in my friendship with god and joy as god's beloved so i'm heavily biased uh, towards shaping my life, as it were, for joy. Um, and I, I seek to build into my life sources of joy. Um, and they are very, very, uh, they're very down to earth. They're very unspiritual. Um, and they're very important. Um, so they include, you know, going for a run in the morning. They include uh, having time, you know, just lingering time with coffee. Um, they include, uh, I light a candle every supper time with Debbie. Debbie's the woman I'm married to. Um, we, we have a certain music playing in the house, and whenever certain songs come on, like Ed Sheeran, uh, Debbie and I have got a covenant that we meet in the kitchen and dance. And, so, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, joy for me is, you know, it's our first line of defense as pastors mm, against burnout, cynicism, 
disappointment, disillusionment. So I'm just hoping that as I get older, I'm becoming a little bit more joyful. Mm. I, I really mm. think it's energy. Uh, you know, the, you know, the whole joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, thing. I really think that's not just a Bible verse, but it's it's <laughs> it's 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 like it's it's critical for me. So I have practices that engender joy. Um, yeah, and I and I would if I'm with people, you know, and I'm wanting to to really help them to um, deepen their friendship with God or deepen their own sense of belovedness. I often ask them, you know, what what brings you joy, and and how can we how can we discover God in what naturally brings me joy? Mm. Naturally mm. Uh, brings me joy because God wants to meet me there. And God is present and is active um, in those things. Mm. I'm sorry. If, I, <laughs> I don't no, know I, how well, that's landing. In, in, it's, in, 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 it's, it's not landing. It's exploding yeah, our heads yeah, and hearts seriously. in such a great way. In fact, Doug, why don't we do this? Can, can, we, can we camp out on this yeah, a little I bit was just, more? Because, yeah, yeah I, I just think this idea of joy, Trevor, is not something we've talked much about on this podcast. And I just, and I know Doug's thinking it too. There are so many pastors in this season, and it's not just America, it's around the world. Uh, of no, the complexity, no, the burden, sure. everything that we've gone through of some would say, Trevor, I love this. That sounds great. I want to restore my joy too. I want that back. And I think you've, the answer normally, you know, read your Bible and pray. Those are great, of course. But you've just given no, these quote no, sure. unquote and major air quotes here that most people can't see. but you know, unspiritual things, but as we said at the beginning, not to bifurcate, those are very spiritual things for you. And so what do you see as factors, or should I say barriers, that keep pastors from experiencing joy? I think a split spirituality. Let me go Mm -hmm. back to that. I would would want to sit with a pastor who has uh, who who is really battling, who's maybe lost their joy. And I, I would say to them something like, you know, can you tell me what did you do when you were 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age? What were, what were your sources of joy then? And, 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 and what has happened to those things? And what would it be like for you to invest some, some time and some money in, in, in things that that really are natural sources of joy. Um, and how can we begin to just integrate these into, you know, just into your life um, as, a, as, a, as a pastor? Um, so, you know, I would... Yeah, I would, I would, I would want to start with. You know, you said it yourself, Jaws. You know, we've got different personalities, um, so I would want to, I, I would want to go there. I think the other place I would want to go is when we came into pastoral ministry, we were joyful beings. Joy mm. brought us into ministry. Our calling was a source of joy, and then mm. to use a phrase of Parker Palmer's. There grows a tragic gap between the calling that brought us into ministry, which was filled with joy, and with what we are doing now. So there's this tragic gap between um, 
our pastoral calling mm. and what we are doing and how how do we how do we heal that tragic gap mm. how do we find again the joy of what called me into pastoral ministry and what is keeping me from embracing that wholeheartedly to use Doug's phrase? What is keeping me from a wholehearted embrace of my pastoral calling, which was a joyful calling? And, and if we can maybe be very attentive to those things, and I would want to be respectful to them, I'm not wanting to be all fizz pop and see a silver lining on every cloud and all that kind of stuff. But what are the things that have got in the way of that calling that initially was filled with joy? That is such a good question that I hope our listeners hit the pause button on this podcast, write down and spend some time having that discussion with people that know them well. Um, yeah, I, I, first of all, thank you for talking about listening to Ed Sheeran. Um, I would probably choose a different musician, but I, I just, I, I just appreciate so much the, 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 yeah, just uh, that line that you said where joy, joy is our first line of defense. I, I think that it's almost like, I don't know, Jerry, you're probably thinking the same thing. I, I would say that what, that is what has been stolen. Um, in pastors' lives over the last few years, and it, or you know, whether that, and I, I do believe that that the evil one comes to steal, and I think joy is one of the low-hanging fruits to steal from pastors. Um, but I just, I, I think for me, and go ahead, no, Doug, and I just want to say, and and you know, I want to be very respectful to any person listening to this podcast who does feel joyless at the moment. I really want to be that, and I and I don't want to trivialize those harsh contextual realities that rob us of joy today. But I do want to stress that we that joy is not going to drop on our heads, and somehow, somehow we have to very carefully uh, open ourselves up again to the possibilities of the God who is the source of all joy and who wants to restore joy um, in our own lives. So I think it's, it's doing both at the same time. It's been very attentive to what has robbed us of joy, the tragic gap in our calling, and then also being very intentional around opening ourselves up to joy again. Um, I think so it's doing both at the same time. So good. There, there seems to be even just in this conversation, just a spirit of permission for pastors, and and I appreciate that greatly. Um, and I, I think I, I'm just curious because you were a pastor for for is forty years. Is that correct? Thirty five, forty years. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Forty years. So if yeah. if you could if you could give if you could give your your very early pastor self. Uh, just a, a tidbit of wisdom of what you know now, what would that be? Oh, well, that's a big question, Doug, and a wonderful question. Um, what would I, well, I would say, I would say quite bluntly to my 30-year-old self, you're not the Messiah and you're not the Holy Spirit. Um, 
and I hope that would give my 30-year-old self a little bit of lightness and a little bit of freedom. Um, I would also want to say well done to my 30-year-old mm. self for making some choices around um, uh, staying married in hard times and working through some marriage difficulties and struggles, nurturing some some friendships that remain to this day. Um, I would want to say, Trevor, you made some good choices around relationships and friendships. Um, and I think I would say to my 30-year-old self, um, yeah, you would, <laughs> you were a bit too serious at times. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you're you're engaging serious work, but you 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 just got a little bit too serious for a joyful God, mm. Uh, mm. who 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 does share deeply in our suffering and our heartache and pain, but whole but wraps joyful arms around that. If I, if you know that joy and pain coexist in God's mm. heart, and I, I lost I lost sight of that. Mm. Yeah, mm. Mm. I had to recover that. Trevor, I sense not only immense wisdom, but there's a lightness and a humility to uh, be quick to admit where you fall short, but not in a self-disparaging way, but in a way of just cracking it open to allow God's grace to be a part of your story and uh, and to be others-focused. And I, Doug and I are just so grateful for that spirit and that posture that you bring to this conversation. Uh, again, mutual friends and your writings and other podcast interviews you've done, you've shaped us indirectly, but this has been such a joy to be able to spend some time with you. I, I almost wish we had another two or three hours together, uh, and we don't want to do that to you, um, but maybe another time we could have you back. But just as we close, Trevor, would you be willing to just leave pastors who may be thinking about spiritual formation or maybe joy in a new way? Would you be able to leave our pastors with some sort of blessing or benediction as mm. we close? Uh, uh, I'd, I'd, I would like to say to, to each person listening, may you know that you are, um, you are God's beloved and that you, that you are loved with a love that will never, ever let you go, a love that knows you by name. Uh, a great love from which nothing can separate you. And my benediction upon your life would be, may there be um, a renewal in the deepest place of your heart and mind. May there be a renewal of the joy that accompanied uh, that initial call um, to, to ministry, to pastoral ministry. And may the Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, of joy, uh, fill, fill your heart and mind and body in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor. Our passion is to serve, partner with, and equip hungry pastors and kingdom leaders just like you 
Have you ever considered engaging in pastoral or ministry coaching? We have a team of coaches at Kairos Partnerships available to serve you. If you want to know more, log on to our website at kairospartnerships.org for a free 30-minute coaching call to give it a test drive. Thanks again for listening. We're grateful you tuned into this episode for another episode. God bless and bless God.